Alright, I don't think anybody else is going to show up. Yeah, probably not. Alright, so unlike the last couple of weeks, these two chapters uh, didn't really have too much to do with each other directly, at least. The uh, the first chapter, uh, 19, was on the military offensive that the uh, Russian army undertook, and the second chapter, was uh, chapter 20, was just kind of a general overview of the peasantry, since most of what we've been reading has been kind of focused in on uh, Petrograd and the cities. Uh, Trotsky takes a chapter to talk about what's been going on in the provinces during this time period. Yeah, what to be fair, like Trotsky kind of emphasized uh, at the start of the book and that the army was mostly compressed of peasants, wasn't it? Yes, yes. So there's a little bit of a connection there. Yeah, yeah, in that sense. Um... But yeah, you want to take a crack at uh, talking over the offensive, or would you like to talk about the peasantry chapter? We'll, we'll read. Ah, uh, let's read the others, just in case someone else shows up. Uh, yeah, so basically the chapter uh, about the war is what one can be expected. Uh, he, he mentioned how the situation should kind of go to so kind of goes the way one would naturally assume it would divulge after the last videos checking on what's going on at the military. The soldiers are still kind of uh, fucking in getting irritated about the war and continuing and all of that. And both the, the provincial government is creating the narrative of Look, look, guys, we know, we know, the Sherman is about to collapse. Look, the Americans have shot the war, they written their ass as in the West, they written the Sherman's ass in the West. All you guys need to do is to take these parts, which you already see that the Sherman's are abandoning, all you guys have to do is to take these parts, and the Sherman's will collapse, Okay, why will be over and we can all go home? So, of course, don't need the provincial government actually think that's how it's going to. But God would, it's the thing that, it's the vote that they can offer the soldiers for the moment that. They need them to take action because the intent, the intent, Hosta Pedro's intent. Yeah, Anton, you know, intent, whatever. Okay, the attempt is a very pressure in the Russians to, you know, get on with it. If you go straight and still the war, so, you know, prove it, and yet, start attack. And the provincial government are soft, because they kind of want to keep the revolution and all that. They kind of want to start, to start fighting the war again. And even aside from the pressure from the attempt, they themselves had the motivation to start the war again, so they, they did the war to start again, so they clad this war on attack that nobody really thinks it's going to work. And and what is hope is the second of, okay, one random punch and I cannot give out, cannot hope. Or the a kind of hope where, you know, it's not going to work out for maybe. But pretty much everyone that's not the provincial government 
says, this is not going to work. I don't think it's going to do is to massacre a bunch of girls for no gains. Ah, uh, that's why it ends up happening. But the provincial government, eh, and the motivation kind of forces them to do that. Oh, you know, oh, this will get a work for them. And, uh, speaking of things getting work for them, and the provincial government kind of as if that the military is a total mess at this point. Order has fully collapsed and all that, and, and they even and kind of need to start chasing the people on top because, uh, if I don't mistake it, Joski has a whoop, but say that they pretty much fire out of the channels. Well, not really, but uh, the upper, upper echelons of the people who were fighting the world in them, yeah, they kind of had to replace them and for a variety of reasons. Including it that some of them were mean, uh, the police delicate terms, really fucking obvious about how much they wanted the revolution to die, and it, it kind of that was against the interests of the provisional government for those to make it that obvious. So, uh, at least some of the people that were dismissed was because of that, others apparently was because of they could really do the world discipline, which to be fair, pretty much no one in the Russian army could do at that point. But, uh, yeah, other editors, uh, just kidding, it is, as it is just that. There was sort of an attack, I believe Romania, I think it was the direction of the offensive. It, it was so poorly coordinated that the, the, first, it, the first people to, the first direction they were attacking it, and the last direction started like over a month apart, so yeah. I, I'm not military expert, but of the Veraka that's no good. And also at the end, it just kitas about how the press, the liberal press, the uh, modern socialist press, the right say the soldiers are lazy pieces of crap, they're no good, they're cowards, they are nothing like the uh, precious, the valiant, the uh, glorious French and revolutionary army from the 18th century and all of that. Uh, just keep yourself. What kind of morals are, are you taking them for? Or anyone does that at a, a really disciplined French Revolutionary Army came because it was led by the people that fucking destroyed the French Empire's army. It, an army can't survive a revolution. It has to be completely built on you. You can't choose a thing to take. The, the same people that were working for the a previous regime and think that uh, definitely to of the new government and with, without any kind of of you know restrictions, without any kind of, of replacements, the building of new cops or you can think that you can just change a few borders, change a few titles and the army will work again. No. The ADR Army, it goes to the country's revolution, it's going to fucking collapse in terms of the morale, the discipline, and all of that. And it has to be built at you by the revolutionary forces.
Of course, of course, they like, uh, yes, you can adjust for some of the previous regimes generous to the uh, revolution, but those are essentials. They're not supposed to be interviewed, the provincial government was trying to do that as a and it wasn't working out. Yeah, yeah, like you were saying too. They they were kind of like playing at like you said they they would you you would need to replace all of the old generals in the army because you're building a new one, right? Uh, but the, and the provisional government was or at, or at least yeah 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 uh, or at least ninety five percent because uh, let us remember that in some cases you can transfer some of the generals and even do it eventually do it the civil war and it was I believe just it will or prepared the uh, Bolsheviks to say, take some of the previous senators, wasn't it? Yeah, he was a big proponent of uh, basically retaining... He, he treated the military like any other industry and treated the military officers and generals and such as technical specialists, and he wanted to keep them on as military specialists, basically, but keeping them politically controlled with political commissars and only consulting them in strictly military matters. Uh, but but yeah, like you were saying, it, it would require kind of basically rebuilding the army. And in, in the old Russian army, you know, the generals were were also loyal to the to the czar and uh, the monarchy, and and so their political lo- they they still had political leadership over the army too. Um, and, and the provisional government kind of teased at you know dissembling the people a little bit, like you were saying, by like taking the generals and basically doing what the catholic church does with um priests uh accused and convicted or whatever of like child molesting they they just shuffle them around they just would take one general from one front demote them and then promote them to a different front so it's like the people from this front don't know this general maybe from first-hand experience so this is a different person and then the old front gets some new general or whatever. Like they just they're just switching them all, shuffling the cards basically. But it's still the same cards, you know. Their places are just switched. Uh, yeah, so it's around the emotions of a particular view in order to, to make it look like the world thing has been changed. All of that, yeah. And yeah, like you said, um, I thought it was pretty funny that like. You know they have this this big plan. They're like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna open up this offensive and we're gonna attack all along the line, all at the same time. Uh, we're we're gonna do this. It's gonna be great. And then it comes time to like organize the actual offensive, and none of the different fronts can coordinate, and they they're all charging in just whenever. Like you said, some of them were literally a month apart in the charge, and like the. The offensive from a month earlier had already fallen apart, so the the soldiers that are a month late are like, "Why are we doing this? This has already failed," you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to understand why the offensive happened. Why it failed is is pretty obvious, just due to Russians' like military weakness and everything. But it's it's maybe confusing why it happened so you you outlined pretty well the um the fact that the entente is is putting direct pressure on russia and they're like look you guys don't actually fight this war we're just gonna let japan attack you in siberia we're not gonna do anything about that we're we're not gonna fund you anymore we're just gonna let germany take you out all by themselves you know that kind of thing so so russia's like oh, okay we gotta get on this you know the the provisional government's like 
very, very worried about all this. Uh, but that's only one part of it. So why did the soldiers want to go? And and you covered that pretty well too, with saying that you know because of the revolution, there hasn't been an offensive from Russia in quite some time. So Germany has shifted a lot of resources to to their Western Front. And so from the soldiers' literal perspective on the front line, it looks like Germany's kind of falling apart because they can't see all of the armaments because they've been transferred to the to the other front. And they've they've waited. Trotsky mentions explicitly that the soldiers want peace. They've tried diplomacy through the provisional government, and that hasn't worked. They've tried fraternization with the Germans, and there's been no revolution in Germany to cause peace yet, and that hasn't. So that hasn't worked. So they're gonna give the old method of peace through victory a try, and that falls apart tremendously because Germany was not really weak or losing. They had just moved their stuff around. So once they moved it right back, it just completely devastated the Russian offensive. Yeah, yeah, and um, <coughs> uh, sorry, hey, sorry for the cough on mic, but yeah. Uh, I just wanted to re-emphasize that the provisional government, even I want us here to light the soldiers' faces by telling them that uh, there was currently an, an attack on the West, is that somebody was really about to collapse. Like the, it, it, it isn't something that the soldiers might have imagined, okay, the civil are really posting defense right now, so maybe that maybe they were in trouble too. No, it's not just the soldiers thinking that it, it was the uh, direct commander standing there. The, the Germans are really strongly on the west, they, they put it out, out of the west. If we attack now, they're going to be done, they're going to be done. The main commanders were telling them uh, those lines in the orders of the provisional government, so. Yeah, that, that's another factor what the audience, yes, were willing to do the chat, I suspect, because they, they were very thought that he was really going to do it, that he was finally going to be over if they just went ahead and committed an attack that was poorly organized on themselves, that had no real chance of succeeding, but that they were totally really might work. Yeah, one of, one of the things I like Trotsky mentions too in this is that, so this offensive takes place obviously over the course of about a month, but it's it's late May into June and then a little into July that all of this is happening. And he mentions at one point, like what, what's been going on inside the Soviet? And he mentions uh, a particular resolution that was taken, uh, like I think just some sort of like general greeting or like acclamation or whatever for for the offensive and the the count for that showed like a two-fifths majority well a two-fifths minority sorry a two-fifths minority uh, opposed to to the offensive now which is like a radical shift in how the the soviet is voting now before it was completely captured by the socialist revolutionaries and mensheviks who were in favor of continuing the war so had this vote been taken place in february it would have been like just pretty much unanimous that they would have acclaimed this offensive uh, but now the Bolsheviks are starting to make headway in, in the Soviet. The anti-war parties are starting to uh, win over members. And Trotsky mentions that the, the the Viborg district in particular is pretty much completely Bolshevik-dominated at this point, And they're completely against the war. Um, 
but the but the Petrograd Soviet in general now is starting to kind of lean that way where before it was not. So it's kind of kind of starting to see see the shifts in power uh, within the Soviet. And of course, after this offensive has collapsed, um, disaster strikes in the capital. Basically, lots of people are going to be very upset about this. Wonder why they went to the front uh, in the first place. Why this offensive was allowed to go on. Uh, I would say, but that's for next chapter. But well, the next chapter is about the peasantry. We sort of shift gears a little bit there. But the the offensive uh, it was a big turning point uh, in in the Russian Revolution because a lot of faith or or any remaining trust that was had for the provisional government and the socialist revolutionaries and Mensheviks was like shattered by this movement. Um, the slow trickle over toward Bolshevism becomes like a flood. Everybody starts enlisting in the Bolsheviks after this kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in pointing those things out. Uh, I kind of forgot that they yeah, happened like in this chapter. A, almost just like a, a throwaway paragraph, just kind of near the end of this one. It's kind of lost in the events of the chapter, but it's it's one of those little uh, temperature gauges for how everybody's feeling and everything. Yeah. Did you have any other thoughts on this chapter before we move on to the the peasantry situation? Uh, no, really, a couple of funny lines as that I just wanted to point out. Uh, mostly it was the one that I, I think I already posted it. I tell yeah, uh, well, uh, okay, this is only for, only if you cut it off, but just keep saying that a part of the officers were beginning to sleep with the soldiers, you know, kind of funny if you cut it off like that. Uh, another point, I can't even. We can fight the record again, and what I think just key at one point on point the alcohol or I, I can't even remember the effect I think, and so I'm not going to watch ever I can say but uh, I just remember there were a couple of good lines that I just key. it wrote that were kind of nice, but nothing in important, so we can yeah, move no, on to the yeah, next there's, chapter there's if you definitely want. a lot of um. I remember the first time we read this, I think a lot of people were pointing out, I know uh, this time around, like Trotsky likes to use the phrase, the red cock was crowing. He's always he's always talking about that red cock, you know? So the, the officers flirting with soldiers. There's, there's a lot of like little, yeah, uh, yeah. maybe it's just erotic in translation, maybe not so much in the original language this was written, but it's definitely a little erotic in translation. Maybe it's just an erotic because, you know, it's, it's something from a hundred years ago where people didn't have this, you know, yeah, have this in their mean, head. Uh, Trotsky's not uh, opposed to writing dirty, dirty things. There are letters you can read out there. He wrote dirty letters to his wife. Um, it feels weird reading those, so, and you know what a good writer Trotsky is, so if you want to read the Trotsky smut, he it, it's out there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but personally, not like, 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 I, you, you know, honestly, it, I think that, I, I think I, I could stomach reading, reading his little letters to, to his wife because, you know, I, I read shit. It's, I'm not understand to say it. I read words on AO3 and all of that. But I, I don't know, I, I don't want to read, read some of private letters to 
or his wife, that I know he let the cheat on a lot. A fucking lot. Uh, like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a fucking card, look. I'm not sure how many of them there are. The ones I'm thinking about, he he wrote after the affair with um. Oh no, I forget the, the paint. Yeah, that one, that one. It was after that affair, after that happened. Wait, that the painter's name, yeah. All right, sidetrack, you know. All right, so yeah, like I was saying, the the next chapter, uh, yeah. Trotsky kind of catches us up with what has been going on in the provinces outside of the cities, and so obviously a big focus on the peasantry. A couple of points that Trotsky makes to kind of just set the scene is the fact that right after the February Revolution, uh, the, the provinces kind of don't move that much because their most active elements, their youngest members, are soldiers in the war so they're up at the front uh they're not at home basically and all of the older elderly peasants are they they have long memories of previous revolutions like 1905 and earlier and revolutionary movements have in the past ended up with uh punitive expeditions where the czar would just send out uh not military units but like basically police spies out into the villages and just like raid and just like kill a bunch of people, torture people, arrest people, terrible things like that. So the peasants with a memory of this sort of stuff did not want to get on that radar and they were just kind of sitting laying low. Uh, now with those things said, eventually the soldiers from the fronts do have leave from time to time. So they come back to the villages and they start inciting things and they are very successful in this uh, to, to different degrees depending on the, the province and the region and things like that. Uh, but, the, but the general arc and traje trajectory of things is that the peasants start by asking and they ask with veiled threats. They're like, look, we don't want to take the land from you. Let's work this out with the implied threat that if we can't work this out, we're going to take the land from you, you know, and they, they don't feel powerful enough to outright take the land, seize the land. So they try trickery, is what uh, Trotsky mentions. They, they're like, look, we're not really taking your land. We're just kind of chopping the trees down off of it and taking your hay. And we, It's not our land. We're not taking the land. We're just taking all the things on the land. Just, just for now, you know, until we can figure it out later. And they, like, stop paying rent, and they start reducing their own rent. And the rent that they pay goes to, like, a communal fund. And they're like, you know, just, just for later, after we figure this stuff out. So they're still technically paying rent. It's just that they're putting it in a communal fund where they can all use it to access, uh, like, like social functions and things like that. Um, but they're basically self-taxing themselves, like, you know. Um, so they're, they're using like these, these roundabout methods of, Hey, we're not really seizing the land, but we're going to go ahead and do this. And this is happening kind of all across the different provinces at different rates. Uh, some places it's going more quickly with, with landlords being arrested or, or murdered if they're resistant to these changes. Um, other places they're, they're a little bit more passive. Uh, Trotsky kind of makes... Amusing references to the fact that in some places there aren't landlords, like I think Siberia he mentioned specifically, but instead you have uh, the church is a really powerful uh, unit there. So instead church lands and monasteries are being seized. And I think he mentions at one point there's a monk who, who complains about all of his horned cattle or like one third of his horned cattle have been seized. 
And Trotsky's like, this monk should have been more meek because later the other two-thirds of his cattle are going to get seized too, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, it's not so funny that I, I think it just took it for itself called the keeper, the keeper of the Sacred Sword which shows like such an invented title, like holy shit, it the Russian Empire really it was at the last fashion of, of film that is. How the fuck do you have a keeper of the second sword at in nineteen uh, whatever? Uh, apparently the keeper of the second sword good oh, at the same time Soko was someone who was really at the church like who, which you know sounds like a little bit I guess what the keeper of the sacred source you do, but whatever. Yeah, and he apparently points. Uh, going to. Don't try to distract anymore. The keeper of the sacred source, who had me months ago complained about the choice and all that, and sent a letter to the government saying, This, this is in the land, this is in, in the food, they even sees it there. And with this, they even the wit that the priest needs to use to obey the holy bread. Uh, how, how can you let this happen? They, they should be able to do this. They should be able to do this. Uh, I mean, actually, he, he complains a little bit like that, but yeah, it's funny. It's funny that even, even to that point, yeah, I mean, they uh, obviously deserve it, but it's funny. Yeah, complaining, they're like, oh, we can't even make our holy bread anymore. It's like, okay, yeah, well, we're, we're going to need the flour to, like, feed people, so it's kind of important. <laughs> um, Let's see, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things that, so politically what's happening, too, as far as, like, uh, balance of power within the parties that's going on is... The, the peasants are pretty much socialist revolutionaries, just just as a rule. That's kind of the party in, in the countryside. And the socialist revolutionaries are, are starting to develop a left wing now that is more in favor of these land seizures than the city-based socialist revolutionaries who are taking part, like, for example, in, in the Petrograd uh, Soviet, and they're voting for the war and everything. You're starting to get this countryside-based left socialist revolutionaries who are more interested in ending the war, more interested in land seizures. So they are going to line up and be a lot more friendly with the Bolsheviks. I think Trotsky makes mention in this chapter of, I don't remember the person's name, but they wind up holding post in the eventual Soviet regime post-October. Uh, and they're they're left socialist revolutionaries, so they're like in in a ruling block with the Bolsheviks. After the fact, is is what winds up happening is that the left socialist revolutionaries and the Bolsheviks kind of get together as the the party of the workers and the peasantries. So that that's kind of going on now. In in the cities, the workers are starting to shift away from the Mensheviks and the socialist revolutionaries toward the Bolsheviks, and in the countryside, the workers are starting to shift away just from the center socialist revolutionaries towards this emerging left socialist revolutionary faction, and maybe getting a little cozy with the Bolsheviks too, but less so than they are. Fire away. Do you want me to, me to tell you what the person's name was? Yakovlev. Yeah, 
que posterior te la voz mención investigaciones o de you know o de había eh, movement arise as an outlet and he later became the people's commissar of agriculture yeah, yeah, of the Soviet Union. Yeah, because he mentions it's like uh, with the block between the, the Bolsheviks and the Socialist Revolutionaries, right? Uh, I don't think he mentioned that he was a so, uh, lefesar, but oh yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he mentioned, uh, I, I think he mentioned that the lefesar will make a, a look with the Bolsheviks later on. I, I, I'm not sure if he mentions it, but he 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 does definitely mention the, that the uh, SRs were already kind of not starting to steal it all into left uh, into left and right functions. He definitely mentions that in this chapter. I'm not sure if he mentions that the uh, left SRs will later align with the Bolsheviks or that this Yakov Lefela was a left SR, but Oh yeah, he does mention that at the social revolutionaries are already starting to split between the uh, two ideologues, the uh, people who actually believe in it, the world cups are are just a little bit stupid. Okay. I, I, I it's a lot that uh, those who are for the However, we're going to say that guy's name, Yakolov. At at the time of Trotsky's writing, Yakolov, whatever was the people's commissar so like in 1930 or like yeah something like that i forget when this was written <laughs> but um the the one i was talking about i posted the quote in the um the thing i'll read it out uh, he says that their head stood caligave caligave i don't know subsequently commissar of agriculture in the soviet government during the block between the bolsheviks and the social revolutionaries so the one you're talking about is uh, at the time Trotsky is writing, he was the um, guy, but yeah, this other guy was during the time that the Bolsheviks and Social Revolutionaries were co-ruling. Sorry, that that was like a confusing tangent. The the point is is that the left socialist revolutionaries are like starting to trend toward the Bolsheviks, and there's this trend in in the uh, countryside towards the Bolsheviks, but it's being expressed through the left socialist revolutionaries. Yeah, yeah, I, I get that, and actually, by that, because I was the one who got confused about what communist uh, you were talking about. I mean, it's understandable so because both of the guys had the same post, but, you know, nah, oh, it was technically uh, by mistake, so, so I'm sorry that I can't or asks or whatever is, um, you know, why, why are the peasants going towards the socialist revolutionaries instead of the Bolsheviks? And... He mentions basically, just aside from the historical fact that Bolsheviks have ten tended to be in the cities and not the countryside, the fact that the Bolsheviks saw more clearly what the end goal here was. And basically what the peasants wanted, as peasants always want, is they want their land and, and they want to be left alone. And that's fine as far as it goes, but it doesn't last as like a permanent situation. Like that, the peasants just want to farm their land have low taxes, end the war, and, and be left alone. But it doesn't really work like that. Um, so the Bolsheviks have a more far-reaching agrarian program. It, the first steps are, of course, land to the peasantry. But they want to have land to the peasantry 
in the long term in the sense of communally farming on a mass scale to be able to feed everybody and not just like family farms that are self-sustaining and not much beyond that. You can't have industrial production on a family farm basis where you're farming for subsistence with just a little bit of surplus. That little bit of surplus isn't enough to sustain a city population. And if the peasants had their choice, they would all just have small family farms and just do subsistence with a little bit of extra because why would you want to do more, right? Uh, it's a lot of work to do more. It, it kind of sucks. Uh, that's kind of been the, the biggest problem capitalism has had in making the transition from uh, peasant production into capitalist production is forcing, finding ways to force peasants to industrialize uh, their agriculture. Uh, peasants are usually very resistant to doing that. Yeah, you usually have to slaughter them on a mass scale in one form or another and then take their land like that. They won't do it on their own, basically. Uh, it winds up being a big, big problem later in the Russian Revolution. But, but because the Bolsheviks have this longer perspective, they're, they're not as popular with the peasantry. This is not the perspective they're pushing at the moment, but it's known that they're not as uh like that's not their end goal the way it is for the socialist revolutionaries where the socialist revolutionaries are just like yeah we just want to get you the land and end the war that's it and that is exactly what the peasants want yeah yeah the peasants are trying we just want to be kind of guys. If there's anything else I remember from this chapter I wanted to mention. Uh, while, while you're actually looking for something important, I'm sh I going to point out another a case of, you know, how language has changed over the century because you know, when Joski mentioned how, uh, I think it was Chernobyl, the minister in question, he said that wanted to give the pens as an Easter egg. I thought, oh, I'm going to assume that a century ago, oh, you know, Easter egg meant like, oh, like something fancy or something like that, like a really good gift or whatever, because. Otherwise, I'm going to say, I wanted, what, he, he wanted to point out to that that the new Star Wars movie, if you look really close, yeah, in Afraid, I'm guessing that that has changed, or changed that says, since Long the time the Parisian government. Okay, there was, yeah, there was one more thing in this chapter where, um, Trotsky yeah, mentions yeah. basically that <laughs> Lenin's strategy at the time was not totally based around uh, assuming that the peasantry would just side with the Bolsheviks. It it worked out that way, but he, he provides some quotes to the fact that Lenin was like, you know, a little nervous about maybe the peasants would wind up siding with, with the landowners and the, the city uh, liberals against the workers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I noticed that too, and, and you know, like, I I still have it, it's bias against Joski, so, uh, you know, it kind of amused me that, of course, 
asking was it it was a little bit in this chapter about look even to ask even lady did for the just the persons yes stop on talking shit about of me for this even lady did that you know that, that was my thoughts at the a time you know like i i say i'm open i'm open about the fact that i'm, I'm a little biased i just kiss so that was what i thought about in the moment but you know take living my I like I just had to do about that. It's kind of interesting that, to be fair, I get it because of the the patients as in some previous historic revolution kind of yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I that, think this is exactly yeah, what Trotsky's doing. Yeah, they're not the most uses like the verbiage directly that old Bolsheviks were accusing Lenin of underestimating the peasantry. Like that's that's very on the nose. I think uh, usually Trotsky's a little more subtle than that. That was very on the nose. But uh, but I mean, yeah, he's he's not wrong. Like you said, um, historically, peasantry yeah. has been the counter-revolutionary force. Uh, it it crushed the you know the eighteen seventy one Paris Commune. It crushed the eighteen forty eight revolutions. Um, they they can't automatically be relied upon because they are to an extent a land holding class and so they can be promised their land in exchange for things and things usually is siding with the city capitalists against the workers you know there's very specific reasons why it couldn't work out that way in Russia. It was a very historically yeah, yeah, unique yeah. situation where the uh, city capitalists had direct interests in the landed estates staying the way they are. They couldn't promise the peasantry the land. So I think maybe Lenin's concern was... I think Lenin's concern was basically just based on the fact that the peasant party was the socialist revolutionaries and there was no Bolshevik equivalent to the socialist revolutionaries for a very long time, relatively speaking. And the socialist revolutionaries are backing Milyakov, who is the biggest enemy of the working class in, in the cities, you know? So Lenin was just concerned with, with the party that the peasantry was supporting because the socialist revolutionaries never... Like, the left socialist revolutionaries, uh, yeah. while they might be the Bolshevik equivalent of the peasantry party, never really broke off as an independent party the same way that the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks kind of split as parties, you know? So I... I so I, I think that's probably where Lenin's hesitation on the peasantry was coming from. Yeah, yeah. But I, just, I just from, it, I like it. I said, the, the material landed interests of the peasantry versus uh, the cities, I don't think it was possible for the, the cities to use the peasantry against the revolution like it had been done in the past. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Like, I... I think that at looking back historically at that point, it kind of made some sense to disturb the peasants and in the in both the but uh, 1900s and onwards, when it comes to peasants, yeah, they they they, they don't exist in in most countries, or if they do exist, they they so it. 
We get we get one week off for I don't know fall break. Let's call it that. Well, Yippee. fall break. Uh, I guess for you that's what like. What were you guys going into spring? For for what? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I was just but. I was just a little bit mocking you because I'm pretty sure that's not a thing. Like, I know you Americans have summer vacation, have a winter yeah, break like we do. I, I know that you guys even have a spring break, but I'm pretty sure a fire break is not a thing. Alright, well, uh, unless you have anything else to say on the subject. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, man, fair enough. Uh, right, I, well, I don't I'll think I really have anything more to add. Uh, I think this two. was a fine week. We it had a fine discussion and all of that. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, hey, you're not wrong. Probably we We just like oh, what? God, it'll be nice. One month, two months, and we're some finishing. All right, take care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Take care, too, man.